Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacker Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Threepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Hello again, friends, and welcome on into episode 23 of The Sco Show. My name is Mark Schofield. Happy to be with you for today, Thursday, October 3rd, 2019. Got another big show loaded for you today. We've got Mark Bullock from The Athletic DC. We're going to talk about that football team down in the nation's capital. They're struggling a little bit. So we're going to talk with Mark, have some quality time with him. He's going to tell us what, if anything, they do well on both sides of the football. Also going to talk about, obviously, some of the things about the quarterback position going on with them, as well as, shall we say, some trepidation about the direction of that franchise under the current regime. I'm also going to do a bit of a Bill Belichick impression, trying to get you worried about what Washington can do, at least on the offensive side of the ball. But we've also got some news to get to at the outset, which we'll get to just after these reminders. Please do. Please do follow along with the hijinks at Mark Schofield on Twitter. You can see... For example, my recent woodworking project. I mean, if you're into that sort of thing. You can also follow the work at places like Inside the Pylon, Pro Football Weekly, Matt Waldman's Rookie Scouting Portfolio, and yes, that trio of SB Nation websites, Big Blue View, Bleeding Green Nation, and yes, right here at Pat's Pulpit. Also, please don't forget, subscribe to the Pat's Pulpit podcast, tell your friends, leave some reviews, leave some ratings, five stars, always appreciated. Let's get to some news. And my day began, again, I've told you before, my day usually begins with a reach to the nightstand, a grabbing of the phone, and a check into the old Twitter machine and see what's, what's going on in the football world and, and elsewhere. And I was arisen by the news that the Patriots had made an acquisition. Jordan Richards, back in the fold. A bit of a shocker. And it's shocking, obviously, because a lot of people feel like Jordan Richards was, shall we say, a missed draft pick by Bill Belichick. A lot of people sort of in the Patriots world believing that he did not live up to his status as a second-round draft pick. I will say when the Patriots selected him out of Stanford, there was some head-scratching, even at the moment that was picked, that pick was made. Didn't really find a sort of home. Didn't really have the skill set for a true safety didn't really have the size or the consistency 
to serve as a linebacker safety hybrid. But the Patriots bring him back in. And Belichick, during a press conference on Wednesday, said that, no, he does have a role in mind. And the team does have a role in mind for Richards. It might be more of a special teams role, given how deep this secondary is. But we'll see. And it's not the biggest news of the day, of course. Because the biggest news that came out was the news on Wednesday afternoon that the Patriots have a player, rather big-name player, going to IR, another player on injured reserve. And this one, might, this move might sort of illuminate what was becoming a problem for this franchise, or at least this season. And that's Steven Gostowski, the Patriots' kicker, going to injured reserve with a hip injury. And according to Adam Schefter of ESPN, that left hip injury will require season-ending injury. I mean, excuse me, season-ending surgery for the Patriots kicker. Now, we had talked about it on this show. Other shows have talked about it as well. We had, as a franchise, a Gostowski problem. He had missed at least one extra point or field goal attempt in three straight games. Entering week five, he was 7 of 8 on field goal attempts, 85 87.5%, and just 11 of 15 on extra points. So the question becomes, who handles the kicking? Patriots did have some players in for workouts on Wednesday at the kicking position. So we'll see if anything comes up of that. Kai Forbath and Mike Nugent were the two players in. Kai Forbath, 32-year-old kicker, spent some time with Washington, New Orleans, Minnesota, Jacksonville. 120 of 140 on field goals over his career. Mike Nugent, a 37-year-old veteran kicker, spent some time with the Jets, the Bucks, the Cardinals, the Bengals, the Cowboys, the Bears, and the Raiders for a career mark. 253 of 311 on field goals. So now we await word of we, we, what we assume will be a sign, and I don't think they'll roll with just Bailey as the one kicker slash punter this week. I assume there will be an acquisition, whether it's Forbath, whether it's Nugent, whether it's somebody else. You know, that does remain to be seen. But the Patriots, at least addressing the kicker position here midweek, we all saw that it was an issue. And so now we at least can hopefully, in a sense, move forward with a new kicker. Another name sort of to keep in mind, and, and this was fantastic to see, the one and only Chuck Zotta, formerly of the Quick Kicks podcast and Inside the Pylon, he threw out some names. He's a kicker guy. He said that most likely Gostowski replacements are probably Kai Forbath or Nick Novak, but he would call the Falcons about Matt Bryant, who was 13 of 14 outdoors last year. He also threw out a name, Ross Martin. I know Chuck really liked Martin when he was sort of coming out. But hey, we'll see what the Patriots do. Now it's time for me to make an attempt at a Bill Belichick impression because one of the more fascinating aspects of Bill Belichick when he addresses the media each week is how he talks up the opposition. And some weeks it's easier to do than others. You know, when we get to play the Kansas City Chiefs, for example, it's going to be pretty easy to talk up what they can do on offense. It's a bit tougher on a week like this when you've got an 0-4 team in the Washington Redskins to go up against. But he talked about how on film, 
You know, they look like they're well coached. It looks like they know what they're doing. He said all the right things. John Kayim, who covers the Washington Redskins for ESPN, I believe, you know, he tweeted out after Belichick's press conference call with members of the Washington area media. He came away with the impression, man, this Washington Redskins team, they must be three and one with the way Belichick's talking about them. But I see a lot of what Belichick is talking about. And there will be a piece up sometime today, Thursday, on Pat's pulpit that's going to highlight what I'm about to sort of walk through, not too deeply, but in some detail. And that's this. I have been extremely impressed with Jay Gruden as an offensive play caller, as a play designer, and I've been very impressed with the conceptual nature of his offense, particularly in the vertical passing game and particularly in the vertical passing game off of play action. They had a halftime lead over the Philadelphia Eagles on the road in week one. And early in the game, they hit on a vertical passing concept where they ran what we sort of call NCAA Mills, which is a Mills concept, that's the deeper element, and a shallow crossing concept short of a shorter element, and you pair them together. So you have a deep post, a dig route, and a shallow crosser. That's what we call sort of NCAA Mills. And the Eagles secondary on this play gets caught focusing on the shallow cross portion of the play. They leave the two safeties. They sort of collapse down on what they see in front of them. It leaves that backside corner in a one-on-one situation against Terry McLaurin a wide receiver, and the backside corner, he is using outside leverage because he expects to have safety help to the inside. It's a play-action design. Case Keenum comes out of the play-action fake, comes up firing, drops in a perfect throw for a touchdown, and Washington's on the board. They also had another great design off of play-action, again against Philadelphia. They show some jet motion from right to left with Paul Richardson. Richardson runs a simple swing route to the left. And they run switch verticals to that side as well. Trey Quinn runs an out and up, working towards the boundary out of the slot, while Terry McLaurin runs a deep post route. And McLaurin is wide open. The safety rotation is poor in the secondary. The safety rotates down in response to the motion to cover Richardson sort of in the flat on a swing route. The backside corner fails to replace him. This is that cut call that I've talked about previously on Locked on Patriots and a little bit on this show, I believe, where you see that crossing route, safety breaks downhill on it, cornerback passes off that crossing route and takes his place in the middle of the field. Well, they blow that. McLaurin is wide open. They just miss him. Even last week against the New York Giants, Case Keenum got benched, and part of the reason he got benched is he missed two easy opportunities, just gimmies for touchdowns. The first was their first offensive play of the game. Keenum's under center, takes the snap, fakes a handoff to his right, drops into the pocket. They have a route concept to the left, which the Patriots call seam. It's a deep comeback on the outside, and the slot receiver runs a simple seam route If the middle of the field is open, cover two, cover four, that seam converts to a post to attack the split safety look. Quinn is running the seam route out of the slot. He is wide open. Why? 
from the backside, there's a dig route. Again, they're able to influence the safety with that dig in front of them, show him. Safety crashes down, throws the post, I mean the seam route, excuse me, and Quinn is wide open. There's no safety help. Keenum just misses it. Another example that Keenum missed, and this is probably the play that got him benched because he was on the sidelines holding a clipboard after this drive. Washington takes over after they intercept Daniel Jones. They're down 14-0. They get the ball pretty much at midfield. They get a first and 10, and they look. They go deep, try to take advantage of the quick change, right? They go four verts off of play action. It's a three-by-one formation, so the tight end is the inside receiver to the right. He runs what we call that bend and vertical route, that bender where his land and his landmark is the opposite hash mark. You cross the safety's face, then get vertical once you hit your landmark. You love as a quarterback to see single high coverage. It's the easiest read to do. It's the easiest thing to do as a quarterback because you're bracketing that free safety, that single safety in the middle of the field with those two vertical routes. In this case, out of a three by one, it's the bender from the tight end and then the seam from the slot receiver. You bracket him with those. You look to one. Once he bites. On what you're doing, you throw it to the other. Look, this play is simple that I actually ran it well in college. That's how simple this design is. And Keenum does everything right. He looks at the bender. The safety, I believe it's Jabril Peppers, breaks on the bender. Quinn runs a nice vertical route. He uses a little stutter step and go. Gets open, deep, down the field. Easy throw. It's a, it's a gimme. And Keenum misses it. So there have been opportunities for this offense in the downfield passing game. Now look, they benched Keenum. They went to Haskins. Haskins is not ready. I liked him coming out. He was my QB two. Jay Gruden has been saying since basically rookie minicamp that he's not ready. He showed it. He was slow with his reads, slow with his decisions. He's not ready. Colt McCoy is Gruden's guy. Believe me, living here in the D.C. area, I know this. If Jay Gruden has his druthers, he's going to roll, as you'll hear in a moment, with Colt McCoy. You'll hear this in a moment during quality time with Mark Bull. You will hear that he wants to go with Colt Colt McCoy. But who knows who's going to go? And according to guest of the show, Nora Princiati, during his conference call today with Boston Media, he was asked, do you have a plan at the quarterback position? He said, we don't have one right now. Now, whether that was... You know, him keeping his cards close to the vest or what, we don't know, but it doesn't sound good in Washington. And again, since I live down here, I get the benefit of seeing the Washington meter right now. And you'll hear it from Mark Bullock in a minute. It's hard to cover this team. Expectations are extremely low. Jay Gruden is, yes, on a hot scene. Maybe he goes down with his guy, Colt McCoy, goes down fighting. It would be hard to fire him after they lose to, say, the New England Patriots. But you could see them firing Jay Gruden at some point here in the near future. And so it's a bad time in Washington. Now, having said all that and trying to sort of scare you in a sense about what Washington can do conceptually in the passing game, they have had poor execution at the quarterback position. They can't do anything on the defensive side of the ball right. As you'll hear from Mark Bullock in a minute, they can't play zone. They can't play man. They can't rush the passer. They can't tackle. 
This is a bad football team right now. And championship teams take care of business against bad football teams. That's what the Patriots did in week two against the Miami Dolphins. And that's what the Patriots did in week three against the New York Jets. That's what the Patriots should be able to do on Sunday down in Washington. So I think this will be one of those get-right kind of games for the New England Patriots. They'll have a chance to take care of what they need to take care of against a team that is an inferior opponent. Now look, they've laid some eggs before. Could they do it again this Sunday? They could. I would doubt it. I'm sure that that game Sunday against Buffalo, that hard-fought divisional game, was one of those little measure-and-stick wake-up call kind of games where they said, okay, we get some things we need to work on. So I expect a better performance on Sunday. And I think most people expect that too, including our guest today during quality time, Mark Bullock. And we'll hear from Mark on the other side of this break here on episode 23 of The Sco Show. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to cars.com. It's magical. And welcome back to episode 23 of the SCO Show, probably a part of the Pat's Pulpit Podcast Network and brought to you, of course, by the fine folks at SB Nation. It's time for quality time, as we do in most every show, except for the post-game shows. And I'm happy to be joined by somebody that I've gotten a chance to work with before over at the old NFL 1000 Project at Bleacher Report. May that rest in peace. He does fantastic work for the Athletic DC, covering the Washington Redskins, the Patriots' upcoming opponent. He is Mark Bullock, kind enough to join me. Mark, my friend, how you been, my, my buddy? Uh, yeah, I'm doing well. Um, I'm, I'm, it's been a bit of a rough start, but not doing too bad. Well, uh, Mark, let, let's start here. This is probably the big picture question that a lot of people who cover this team are dealing with right now. Just what is going on with this football team? It's, I mean, there is a lot to answer. Uh, so essentially, they're, they're 0-4 having lost to three div- divisional opponents. Uh, they are without their star left tackle, Trent Williams, who's holding out because uh, he has concerns with the medical team after... They uh, failed to diagnose a, a tumor on his head, um, so he's holding out. He's not there. They don't have their star tight end, Jordan Reed, who was finally healthy during the offseason, but he, um, in the third preseason game against the Falcons, took a hit to the head from Keanu Neal, and he's been out with a concussion ever since. Um, last week, they were without starting center, Chase Rullier, and starting right guard, Brandon Sheriff. Uh, so the offensive line is without three of its projected starters. Um, they were also without their one bright spark so far this season, which was wide receiver Terry McLaurin, who had a hamstring injury and missed last week. Um, although he might be okay this this week, we're not sure yet. Um, and then they've had uh, Darius Geis also land on IR after the opener. So they're distraught with injuries right now. Um, then they've had, um, obviously, the revolving door quarterback. Case Keenum came in as the starter. Um, but he has had issues, um, missed plenty of deep shots. Um, I, I think if if Jay Gruden had his way, he would have gone with Colt McCoy. But Colt McCoy 
um, has had setbacks from his uh, broken leg that he suffered at the end of last year. Um, and obviously they've got the rookie Dwayne Haskins, who the team has preached isn't ready yet, isn't ready yet. Um, they, they weren't going to play him. And then on Sunday against the Giants, they, they switched to him. And, of course, he looked like he wasn't ready yet. So uh, they, uh, they're they struggling a lot on offense right now. And um, the unit that was meant to be their strength of the, of the team, the defense, um, they're playing at a historically bad level. Um, they're allowing third downs to be converted at a staggering 63%. Um, so, yeah, all in all, it's pretty horrible right now in Washington. I wanted to ask you, Mark, about the quarterbacks. Now, you mentioned all three. Keenum banned up a little bit. McCoy coming back from the injury he had last year, and obviously Haskins, the rookie. How is this organization handling the quarterback position? Because like you said, they've said Haskins isn't ready. He didn't look ready last week. What are the expectations about this position in the short, sort of short term, and then the long term? Yeah, it's um, it's tough to say. Gruden wouldn't expand on Monday whether uh, who 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 was going to be his starting quarterback. He said he wanted to give Keenum and McCoy a chance to uh, prove their health. Um, Keenum has had a bit of an ankle injury um, and has been in a walking boot a couple times. Uh, McCoy's still not fully recovered from this broken leg, and he can't drive off of his back foot yet although he was fully cleared to practice the uh, last week so um, he might be close to return um, and as we said Haskins they, they've been preaching he he just isn't ready yet um, he has plenty of talent and he's just not ready um, he only started 14 games in college um, so they don't feel like he's ready and when they played him against the Giants he didn't look ready so um, I think if if Jay Gruden got his way Colt McCoy would be the guy that he'd go to um uh, Gruden's liked Colt McCoy ever since he landed in Washington. McCoy's been the backup quarterback for six years. He knows the scheme. Um, he's kind of been Gruden's guy, and every time he's gotten an opportunity, he's got hurt. Um, so with, with with it looking like it's coming to the end of the Jay Gruden era in Washington, I think he would ideally like to go down swinging with his guy at quarterback, and that would be McCoy. You know, speaking of Gruden, Mark, you and I talk a lot on Twitter about schemes, primarily on the offensive side of the ball. And I've been impressed, even though we've had four losses, even though they're struggling at the quarterback position, even though, like you said, Keenum has missed on some stuff. I've still been impressed with Gruden from a schematic perspective. Do you share that opinion? And if so, what stands out to you about their offense from sort of a conceptual viewpoint? Yeah, I absolutely agree. Um, I've long been a big fan of Jay Gruden, uh, especially his his passing schemes. Running game, it can be a little bit... um, a little bit too diverse. He tries to do a little bit too much. Um, it's more of a jack of all traits and master of none. But in the passing game, he's fantastic. Um, in my mind, he's he's one of the top offensive minds in the league, um, just from a schematic standpoint. Uh, the the signature of Gruden is his ability to scheme up shots down the field, mm-hmm. um, and we've seen already this year probably four or five missed shots down the fields where um, they. McKenna missed McLaurin um, twice against the Eagles, even though he hit him once. Um, he missed him twice against the Cowboys. Um, and then he missed Trey Quinn on the opening play against the Giants. Um, and that's, they were all probably touchdowns if, if Keenum hits on them. And even if he hits on two or three out of the five, that's still a significant change. And, and that could have changed any of those games. So, um, he, he does a fantastic job of, of scheming up shots down the field. 
Um, and he, in general, he does a great job of giving quarterbacks outs um, he, he, against different coverages. So mm-hmm. he, he likes to, um, you'll see quite often, he, he'll split the field in half and he'll give the quarterback a coverage read. Um, so on one side of the field, he'll have, um, he could be a man coverage beater or a, a single high safety coverage beater on one side. And on the other side of the field, he'll have uh, a two deep safety beater or a, uh, a zone coverage beater. Um, depending on you know what the defense has a tendency to play on any given down and distance, um, and then that will give the quarterback a a coverage read where they can read the safety rotation and go, okay, it's single high, I'll go to my right, or it's too deep, I'll go to my left, um, and, and and that works generally better uh, more often than not. Um, so schematically, Gruden in the passing game, in my opinion, is one of the better minds in the league. Now, Mark, you mentioned Terry McLaurin earlier, who you covered in a great piece over at The Athletic, which I highly recommend. He's expected perhaps to be back. He was out last week. But can you outline for New England fans what he does well, how he fits into that offense that you were just talking about and what his ceiling might be as a receiver? Yeah, he's um, he's been really doing pretty much everything well. Um, he, he's playing the X receiver spot, uh, which is kind of the, the main guy in the West Coast offense. Um, and... His his obvious elite trait is his speed, his his four three speed. Um, but he is more than just a a burner, a speedster down the field. He's a terrific route runner, um, and and part of that is to how agile he is, how he's able to sink his hips and get in and out of breaks quickly. Um, but it's also his understanding of how to run routes, how to um, set up defenders, how to use his leverage. Um, he he's already so good at understanding that his speed is a significant threat to defenders. And if he can sell a vertical route, he will get defenders bailing and that will create separation when he breaks out off his routes underneath. So, um, he's, he's been fantastic so far. Um, and I've, I've yet to see any defender really cover him one-on-one consistently. Um, so he's someone that presents a matchup issue, uh, for any def- defense, um, and, and I think his ceiling—he's—he's he's kind of—I don't want to be- go overboard because it—it it is only three games so far. He hasn't right. played; he didn't play in the fourth game. But his ceiling is very high, um, and, and he's kind of looked like the total package so far. Let's talk about the defense, and I know you just threw out, for example, the eighty-five percent completion percentage on third down. I know you are, you've been on Twitter. We're recording this on a Wednesday. You've been highlighting some of what they did wrong against the New York Giants, giving up a third and 17 on a blown coverage and giving up a, a first down on the next play, for example. What, if anything, does this defense do well? Yeah, uh, right now it, you can't really say they're doing anything well. Um, the, the, the troubling thing for the Washington is that they went into the season saying the defense was going to be the strength of the team and, and they had so much talent across the board. Um, but they've just not played well. Um, the The strongest unit is the defensive line. Um, obviously, the, they have the two recent first-rounders in uh, Jonathan Allen and Deron Payne up front. Um, and Allen has missed a little bit of time with a knee injury, um, but he's back now playing with a, with a knee brace, which might be hindering him a little bit. Um, Payne has been pretty solid, um, maybe a little bit inconsistent at times, but pretty solid generally. Uh, Matt Ioannidis has probably been their best defender up front, um, but outside of those three guys and, and the defensive line, 
like the the rest of the unit has not been playing well. Um, the edge guys have have not gotten much pressure. Ryan Kerrigan is one of the more consistent edge rushers in the league, but he has been almost non-existent so far. Um, Montez Sweat, their um, their other first round pick after they traded back up into the first round, um, has he's a very much a raw pass rusher at this point. He he has all the physical tools, obviously the speed and the length um, that is rare, but that hasn't translated to a consistent form of pass rush just yet. Um, so they're, they're not they're not getting much out of their defense right now, um, despite the talent that they have. You know, a player that when he was acquired drew a lot of attention, that was Josh Norman, the defensive back. I've seen him struggle at times this year, but where are we sort of in his career arc? Yeah, I think he's on kind of the, the back end of his career or certainly on a, on a downward trend. Um over the summer, Jay Gruden admitted that he probably he probably hasn't quite lived up to the contract he was given, which was a, a rookie uh, a record deal for a corner at the time. Um, might still actually be the most money a corner's ever gotten, but um, he he hasn't quite lived up to that, but has still been pretty good. Um, and he he gets some flack for not having the interception numbers, but in general he hasn't been bad. Um, but this season like the rest of the team he he has had issues um he's been exposed in man coverage a little bit um d'angelo hall a former redskins corner um has uh, called him out the other week for um for his technique in press bail um of, of how he he peeks into the backfield too much rather than looking for uh, looking at his receiver for clues of when the ball's coming um and that was evident the other week when he got burned by uh taylor gabriel on on a double move, he uh, he thought he had the route secured, but he didn't. He ended up peeking, looking back for the ball, and Gabriel ran by him. So, um, yeah, he, he's he's on a probably a downward trend right now. Mark, in, in all of these struggles with the defense, what probably makes things harder, at least sit here on Wednesday, is the fact that the New England Patriots, you know, come to town this weekend. So, I know Greg Winuski has gotten a lot of stick. You know, people are starting to wonder about how hot the seat is for him. But put yourself in his shoes. How do you try, given what the Redskins have right now, how do you try defending Tom Brady and the New England Patriots? <laughs> yeah, it's it's kind of a tough one because whatever yeah. they've tried right now hasn't worked. Um, the, the best example I can give was uh, the 3rd and 17 you mentioned earlier. They had against the Giants, 3rd and 17, they played a basic quarters coverage and uh, they had Fabian Moreau. Uh, was the only guy not on the same page, and he played man, and that uh, left the flat wide open, and the Giants converted. Well, they got a swing pass to the running back for 15 yards. Um, so then it set up a fourth and two, and the next play, the Redskins went cover zero. They're like, okay, we can't play zone. We'll play pure man, cover zero. We'll blitz. Uh, and then Moreau got beat on a quick out by Sterling Shepard. So they gave up the first down anyway. So you know you can't play man you can't play zone uh Minuski tries to play pattern matching stuff that hasn't worked out either um i i would guess the best option he, he'll go for is try and blitz as much as possible and, and hope that you can get home before anyone gets open that it, it seems kind of a silly idea but it, yeah. it, it might just be the only thing that will work for them right now yeah, it does seem like he's got a difficult challenge ahead of him coming up this weekend. Now, Mark, I got some listener questions for the Sco Show Slack channel. 
And you can, again, become a member of that. Hit me up on Twitter at Mark Schofield. And first one comes to us from Andy Likens, and he wants to know, how hot is the seat under Jay Gruden? I think you kind of already answered that, but how hot is that seat? Yeah, it's definitely uh, it's definitely pretty toasty right now. Um, I, I, there were reports that he was going to get fired if they lost to the Giants. Um, I don't think that made sense because you don't really want to be throwing a, any sort of interim head coach into the Patriots week. So um, he could be in trouble after this week um, or certainly uh, the Dolphins, they play week six. If, if they if they end up going over six after that, I would think he probably gets canned at that point. Um, if not, Certainly at the end of the year, I, I think it's more of a case of when rather than if. This question comes from Ian McDonald. He wants to know, now look, impeachment is obviously a hot topic in the nation's capital, <laughs> but can Dan Snyder be impeached? Uh, I, it, it would be a lot nicer to cover this team if he could be. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's a perfect answer, Mark. Um, qu- great question from Jessica Brand, who also does fantastic work in the Scotia Show Slack channel. How does Washington plan to improve upon a performance in which 166 of the 225 passing yards they allowed came after the catch? This is probably a concern given how New England's offense predicates itself on yardage after the catch, especially with guys like Edelman and James White. Yeah, well, it's a, it's a huge issue for them. Um, the, the Bears kind of set out this blueprint um, for... I think they were more just trying to help Mitch Trubisky in the passing game, right. which was create shallow crosses um, and and uh, underneath passing game and force the Redskins to try to come up and make tackles. Um, and it just didn't work for the Redskins. They kept giving up yards. Um, the Bears used a, a shallow glance concept where they run a shallow cross, a deep sit and a deep post, and it vacates the shallow cross and... They ran it a couple times and got lots of yards. The Giants did the exact same play, um, and um, they both kind of leaned on those quick, short underneath passes, which sort of negates any kind of pass rush the Redskins might get, um, and trust uh, and puts all the kind of pressure on on the coverage unit to rally to the ball, make tackles, and prevent yards after the catch. And that just hasn't happened so far. So. Uh, how they improve on it, I honestly, I don't know. Play better. Um, <laughs> right. It's kind of where they're at at this stage. Uh, the, the coaching hasn't been good. They, they haven't always been put in positions um, to be successful. But at the same time, the players have not executed the calls that have been made. And uh, yeah, the, the yards after the catch is a huge issue. That It's kind of been the blueprint for how to beat this Redskins defense the past few weeks. Fantastic stuff, Mark. Let me get out of here on this one. And I'm not asking for a prediction or a score or anything like that. Just sort of your expectations for this game on Sunday. Uh, well, I think the Patriots will win. I think they will win comfortably. Uh, I, I don't know the over-under. I think I would take um, the over by whatever it is. Um, and I, I, I don't think it will be a, a pretty game from Washington's perspective. Well, there you go, friends. The view from Washington, from the fantastic Mark Bullock, who, as I mentioned, does just great work over at The Athletic DC. Can't recommend his stuff enough. Like I said, he got a chance to work with Mark. I know how hard he works at it. And he, as you can hear in his voice, look, he knows this game inside and out. So please do check out his work and give him a follow on Twitter at Mark Bullock NFL. And friends, that will do it for today. That will do it from me this week. Next time we'll be back, we'll be pulpit Pat's Pulpit, Radio Rewind on Saturday and then a post-game show sometimes Sunday evening. Until next time, friends, please do keep on blessing that Patriots reign.